everyone, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I am Simone de Rochefort, and I am joined by Brianna Wu, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat, and Christina Warren, Senior Tech Correspondent at Mashable. We are your family-friendly tech personalities. Family-friendly, okay. <laughs> it's true. Th- this keeps coming up on Twitter where people ask you about the bleeps, and we do try to swear as little as possible. Um, we try very hard. Some Christina of us harder fails. than others. Um, but we is do, a failure at life. I do really I want people to try listen harder, with their Simone. kids. Like, that is important for You're right, Brianna. I could. Yeah. That, <laughs> you should, like, I don't know, hook me up to electrodes or something. Like, have something just whip me when whenever I swear. That would, <laughs> that would work really well. Um, what if you liked it? That's, that's a fear that I have. Um... <laughs> Okay, can I tell you about something? So I made it weird. So there's this oh. art gallery in Germany where they have a version of, I think it's Pong. Yeah, it's Pong. And the table is hooked up. So you have your, your hand on one part of the table. And if you miss a, a ball, it will either shock you or get really, really hot or it will whip you. And I want to play this game so badly. It's not even funny anymore. Um, doesn't that sound great? I feel well, like I'm it sounds like a, the game in the Bond movie, uh, Never Say Never Again. Like, that sounds exactly like it. It actually nice. does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, trip to Germany. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if it's between seeing Hamilton and going to Germany to play with the BDSM Pong table, um, that's, a, <laughs> that's a hard... No, I mean, you know you could do, like, a low-rent version. Like, we could get an Atari exactly. and then a car battery... Oh my god, I can ask George Hotz to make a BDSM Pong table for me after he's done with the self-driving car. And I bet he would. (laughs) He totally would. He has to. He can make millions. Great segue. So. Oh my god. (laughs) Is it a segue or is it a swagway? Oh my god, (laughs) you're so good today. You're so good today. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) thank you. So uh, Lance Yulinov did a really cool thing at Mashable where he took apart a Swagway hoverboard. Um, and to ba- Okay, so there was this whole drama this week where uh, Swagways have supposedly been catching fire. Oh, it's not supposedly. The, it, it was a Swagway and it did catch it on fire. It was definitely Adario, a Swagway. I read that they were saying that they were knockoffs. No, they're wrong because Ooh. Adario spoke to the fire chief. Uh, Adario Strange, who works at Mashable, spoke to the fire chief in New York, who confirmed that it was a Swagway purchased at Models. The box that Swagway has been lying a lot about a lot of things because they're a small company and they're scared, and that's fine. But they've been lying, frankly. I'll say it. Um, today, actually, this happened. This literally happened like an hour ago. Uh, the um, CSPC, the Consumer uh, uh, Product Safety Product uh, Commission, or whatever, actually issued an official investigation into Swagways, hoverboards, whatever you want to call them, um, saying that they're looking into the fact that these things are catching on fire. They are hurting people. They are dangerous. Um, They are not going as far as I think they should be going, which is to say, don't buy these things for Christmas because don't buy these things for Christmas. We just don't know enough about how they're being made. And and, um, the the quality control issues are kind of all up in the air. Um, But they're basically saying, if you are going to buy these things for Christmas, do not plug them in overnight. Do not plug them in unattended. Do not charge them an hour after using. Do not wrap them back up again after they've um, been charged. Like they're putting a ridiculous number of, you know, like uh, pr- provisions around this because they don't want to say, don't buy these things. But they're basically saying, don't buy these things. We're actively investigating um, this product category where there are no safety standards, which is scary. 
and you're basically uh, standing on. I mean, you know, hoverboards are cool. Everybody sees them around. Are they cool, though? Well, I mean, you're standing on a lithium-ion battery with a motor. What could go wrong? <laughs> it's marked down to $399 right now. So you're saying I should go ahead and buy one No, I'm right not. Now Especially not it's... for $399. This is the big problem. And there, there's a whole lot of, like, like they kind of started, the first company that started making them, IOHawk, um, they've been more public and they've, they seem to be a little more together as a company in terms of having people who can actually go on TV and talk about things, um, whether they're really better or not, who knows, but they sell their hoverboards for $1,500. Um, whereas Swagway and some of the others knockoffs, you know, are, are not knockoffs, but, but, but lower end, um, devices are, are 400 bucks and some of them are even $250. Some of them are, are even less than that. And the problem is, is that they're all made in China and nobody really knows much about the companies behind them. Um, Adario and I today were actually trying to figure out who's the company behind Swagway. They won't tell us anything. Um, uh, one of our reporters was filibustered for about 15 minutes on the phone with someone from Swagway when he tried to find out who their parent company is, which probably means it's a shell company of a bunch of other things. We think that it might be someone attached to an e-commerce site in China, but we don't really know. Um, and the problem is, is that a lot of these things are being made at small factories in Shenzhen that are not, you know, of the kind of the Foxconn ca- uh, caliber that you think of when you when you think big factories in China. You know, these are people who are sourcing components. You don't know where they're from. You don't know um, what, uh, you know, is going into the quality control and they're getting imported and people are getting hurt. You know, it's it's might be a small number now but given the number of samples that are out there it doesn't it's not insignificant there was just another case today in the bay area where another one of these things caught on fire um while the girl was on it like this is this is not going away so like i don't want to be like all harsh on like don't buy hoverboards but seriously don't buy hoverboards we're gonna buy a hoverboard by the most expensive hoverboard you can find and be ready to get some and, sick lawsuits. And be money. careful. Well, yeah, and, be, and, careful. And be careful. I mean, especially, I mean, a lot of people are buying these for Christmas. I mean, that's kind of what scares me is I don't want people to, like, put these under the Christmas tree. Well, yeah, like so, a grandparent or something is going to buy, you know, see a $50 cool mechanical skateboard and be like, yay, I'll buy it Not for really. the kids. Exactly. And, I mean, but what Lance did to kind of go the story, he actually did, you know, take apart a Swagway. Um, and, and the video is cool. It shows how it's put together. Some of the things look good build quality wise some of the things don't look as good one criticism i will have to uh say from the comments um and and uh lance didn't really address this and and he maybe should have um and i, I love lance but you know swagway has said that their batteries are from samsung and our teardown did show that they were samsung batteries but that being said without doing a full teardown of the battery we don't actually know if it was a samsung battery or if it was simply a battery that had a samsung logo on it this That's is the true. problem with all this stuff. and one of the this issues is the problem was with like all this fake stuff. boxes as well right like yes boxes were being falsified so batteries could be falsified exactly Ugh. and i mean th- that was one of the things where swagway has tried to kind of prevent pretend like that like the case in new york wasn't them um but yet they later finally admitted to us that the reason that the boxes look different is because they changed their packaging <laughs> so they aren't wanting to go as they can't really verify one way or another whether the whether it was theirs or not except you know the the, the people who bought it bought it at models which is an authorized swagway retailer and it says swagway on the box and says swagway on the device so i mean look by all intents and purposes it was a swagway so and in any case if there are ripoffs out there they're ripoffs of something that is dangerous so that doesn't make it you know that doesn't make the the original product any better 
Well, especially when you're buying it from from what seems to be an authorized retailer. Amazon mm-hmm. in the UK, I mean, how, how a lot of this kind of started um, last week was that in the UK, they recalled like 10,000 of these things. And so Amazon actually is telling people if you bought one of the ones that was recalled in the UK uh, to, to dispose of it, to throw it away and contact them for a refund. Um, they haven't gone that far, obviously, in the U.S. yet, but the fact that the CSPC today that the commissioner released a statement like literally about an hour and a half before we're recording this saying that they are actively investigating mm-hmm. um, these devices says a lot. I mean, they're obviously wanting to move as quickly as they can because they know that time is of the essence. A ton of these things are going to be yeah. Christmas gifts. Yeah. My big fear, honestly, is that we're going to see a ton of, of um, injuries around the holidays because um, – and it's not probably going to be from companies like Swagway, who, even though I don't think they've been as forthright as they could be, and I think that their their communication strategy is a little bit bogus. Part of that, I'll I'll I'll, I'll uh, forgive them for because I know they're a super small company, and I do think that they're trying to to have safety as to the best they can. So I I don't want to like condemn them. Um, the problem is is that they've almost become like the brand name for for hoverboards. People are just kind of referring to them as swagways, whether they make them or not. And and that's that's frankly, you know, on them whether uh, it, that you know there's something that that we as the public can do about it. But what concerns me more about rather than just like the swagway ones is that again there are other than them and, and swagway is already a less expensive version of the IOHawk. Um, there are dozens and dozens of just Chinese knockoffs that literally are selling for $250, $100, whatever, um, that uh, there's no way you can guarantee or feel safe getting on those things. It might be fine, but it might not be. And at the end of the day, what Lance's you know, teardown shows, I mean, it's pretty smart that they put the motors and the wheels, and that does make sense when you think about the design, but you're basically standing on top of a lithium-ion battery that has motors and the wheels. And you know, this is something that gets hot. You're talking about batteries that are larger than laptop batteries that you're standing on top of, that you're moving around on, that people are doing tricks on, which you shouldn't do. <laughs> And, um, you know, a lot of people are using these not just for like five minutes to go, you know, on the carpet, but they're using them, um, you know, at length. And so, um, yeah, Frank was uh, thinking about buying one and driving it to work. Like, you gotta really, stop we were... him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I nearly did because it was like, yeah, I've got three or three dollars. Here you go. Uh, no, seriously, because we were we were out at the mall and you know, like they're showing these off and they were selling a ton of them. It was a really long line for them. Frank is like, oh, I got to try it. I got to see this. And, and they're really yeah, fun. They're really yeah. fun. But they're, are they? Uh, so is it, I mean, help me understand this. Is it like, is it like the Segway technology where it does this counterbalance thing and yes. just keeps you upright no matter what? Uh, kind of. So okay. you kind of, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you, it's basically like a Segway without, you know, um, the handle. So you step on it and it kind of, it, it gets to kind of balance your weight and you need to be standing on it a certain way. Um, if, if your feet are a little bit off center, then it doesn't work as well, but it basically finds your center of balance. And once you're up on it, um, leaning forward will let you go forward. Um, you know, tilting to the, to the right or the left will help you turn. You can turn in circles and it works really well. I mean, it takes some getting used to, but I mean, I've only face planted on it once. Um, and I'm not the most coordinated person. So <laughs> So are you concerned about the Mashable office building just flaming <laughs> down because of- uh, we have a bunch of them. I don't think any of them are plugged in right now. Nice. Um, it's funny because actually before all these things started blowing up, we actually did break one here in the office. Oh, and that's the one, one- that you took apart? Uh, no, that was actually one that they sent us. Oh. The one that we took apart, I mean, the one that we broke was unrelated. So they'd sent us one for review, and it was used and abused ex- extensively throughout the office, and it literally <laughs> just broke in half. Oh, my like, God. It just broke in half. And when that happened, it was 
all of us were kind of like, well, this is kind of messed up, right? This is before any of these things had exploded, before any of that had happened. And and Alan, um, one of our video producers, he was like really gung-ho on this thing. And he's really good on the swag way. Like he's really, really good. And he was just kind of like what the hell you know like he went from wanting to buy them literally for everybody on the video team to being like well i you know we uh, yes we were all using these things a lot but we weren't like abusing them or anything and it broke in half so it kind of like made me start to at least think huh maybe the build quality on these things maybe what's going into them isn't you know as as good as you would expect for a motorized vehicle because i think like a lot of people i just assumed that um you know, if you've got a motorized vehicle like this, that it's going to have some sort of safety standards, that there's yeah. going to have be some sort of regulation, something's going to have to be involved. And it actually turns out there's not. Yeah. And and that's, that's, that's what's so scary about it. One of the things that I took away from Lance's takedown was he mentioned that even though he personally liked the way that the one that he dissected was constructed – there's no guarantee that they are all constructed in that way just because there are so many different brands and kinds and you can't really be sure what you're getting into unless you take it apart and then when you take it apart you've got this you you do not put it back together do not use it just no no totally (laughs) throw it out in the dumpster and and i and i would go even one step further than him just because you know the brand he took apart just because that one is put together correctly you can't necessarily guarantee that all of the ones from that brand are going to be put together the same way because there are literally so many companies who are making these and they're all coming out of the kind of kind of the same places and just being you know kind of badged under different boxes and other things you just don't know um and it's really difficult i think that it's it's kind of interesting because i i I almost i don't blame kickstarter for this but i feel like you know how the kickstarterfication of um making gadgets has it's lowered the, the barrier to entry so much for so many people like so many companies can literally just you know find contractors in china and have some factory time and put together a product and start selling it and kind of do their own kind of gray market thing that um it it's all it's it's one thing when it's maybe you know like like a case or some sort of accessory that you plug into your desk or something it's right. a little bit different when it's something that you're like putting your body weight on and riding around on yeah. yeah totally so do you think the the build quality of like like the the hoverboard the the more expensive version of it like the three thousand it's like a, a variant of this with a wheel in the center i mean it for everything I've read and seen, it looks much, much higher quality. I realize there's no safety standards, but do you think, I mean, have you yeah. experimented with that one at all? I mean, is this a product category everyone needs to stay away from? Yeah, you know, I don't think that it's a product category that needs to be kind of given up on. And I do think that there is something to be said. There's a difference between kind of the high end and kind of these like mid-level and kind of lower end ones. I think that there's there definitely are tiers. I don't want to come out and say that just be, you should just because it's more expensive, it's going to be better because that's not necessarily true. I do think, though, when you look at some of these companies that clearly have been around longer, that we know who's behind them, that we know more information about them, um, that that have you know uh, people who will be liable if something goes wrong, that certainly is better. And I definitely think that there's something like if you're talking about some of the like the three thousand dollar ones, the ones that have like the wheels in the middle that are constructed differently. I think that yeah. those are almost a different category. The problem yeah. is is that all of these things are kind of being categorized as hoverboards even though they don't hover and uh i i think that you know as as the cspc guy was saying the fact that there aren't safety standards is a real problem i feel like for this industry to move forward and i definitely don't think this industry is going to go away i think it's just going to get bigger they're going to have to you know institute some some standards um otherwise what's going to happen is that you're just not going to be able to import them because you can't have people you know 
riding around on these things if they're a potential fire hazard. You just can't. Mm -hmm. What do you think they're going to do in the UK? Because if everyone is asking for refunds, like that's something that the company has to be responsible for, right? Uh, Some of the companies, yes. And then in some cases, I mean, I think Amazon, when these recalls are happening, is almost going to take it on the chin. They're going to go to the supplier and try to, you know, get money from the supplier. But if they can't, you know, Amazon will follow the the, the UK's order and and will give them a refund, you know. Mm -hmm. And and that's the sort of thing that's happened in in other recall situations, too. You know, if something is recalled, you know, the retailer, depends on what country you're in and what your bylaws are, will, you know, give you the refund. And then it's up to them to kind of figure out how to get paid by you know the the supplier mm-hmm. yeah. boy i hate to say it you know because i i think many people in tech like we we find you know the government getting involved with something and like deciding to exert control over product category i mean it's scary right yeah but i mean at the same time you know it's it, I, like i've seen so many vines of like 10 you know eight-year-old kids like doing tricks on this and i can just really imagine somebody getting hurt and you know one of the the byproducts of globalization is you know i think we all like to trust that the the things around us are safe but it it certainly Mm -hmm. seems like this is this is a, a category where i think like that's really needed unfortunately no, I totally agree. I mean, I think this is one of the cases that you, I think you make a great argument where a lot of times we are like reticent to say that the government should be involved and there should be regulation on things. But I think this is one of those cases where this is absolutely what government's job is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you can't yeah, tell from the outside. I mean, no, none of us I are. Mean, yeah. No, I mean, that's the big problem is they all look alike, you know, and a lot of some of them have like logos on them. Some of them don't. And it's hard to tell the difference between one that costs $250, one that costs $400, one that costs $1,000. You know, some of the more um, elaborate ones, more expensive ones might have different sorts of designs and other cues. But but otherwise, you know, they just look like the same thing. And and, um, Mm -hmm. it's scary to me. I, I, yeah, uh, Adario and I spent a lot of time actually before this podcast, like debriefing and talking about this. That's why I'm a little hyped up on the issue because we're both I'm of so us. glad you did because I'm like ready to make <laughs> jokes about flaming skateboards and you're here laying down the law. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm like, no, because people I, are I, getting hurt. Like as much as I don't care about children in general, like I don't actually want kids to be hurt on Christmas. Christina Warren does not want children to catch on <laughs> fire. <laughs> I hey, you know what? That's actually a really big step for me to say that. <laughs> Oh, I flew next to a baby on my flight here. I'm just going to say. Oh, that. how was so, the baby? It was wonderful. I love kids. Love kids a lot. You say that in a way that is <laughs> truthful and honest. Yeah. <laughs> this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy online payments. If you are a mobile app developer, check out Braintree. Braintree is the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Munchery. Braintree has made the the payment experiences in these apps seamless and magical, and now you can add similar experience to your own app. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is also helping solve the problem of mobile cart abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience, and they make the payment experiences in some of your favorite apps seamless and magical. Now you can add similar experience to your own apps. Braintree gives you a full-stack payment solution, support for all payment types that your customers might want, including PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and more, all with a single integration. It's with you across all platforms, with superior fraud protection and their fantastic customer service and fast payouts. 
To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com slash rocket. Thank you, Braintree, for sponsoring this episode of Rocket and Relay FM. Love them. <laughs> Love them. I just want to talk about how babies look like slugs now. This is such a bad, bad segue. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, what? What? I don't – I saw a picture. I'm sorry to any par- – I feel like – I. I'm a bad person this episode. I've already insulted old people saying that they're going to buy swagways for their grandchildren. Old people can be tech savvy. Um, And now I'm going to say that babies look like slugs. I saw a picture of a baby the other day and it was like sitting up on its arms. And I was like, that's literally just a slug with a human head. And this is weird. And I feel strange about it. Oh, God. Oh, God. I, Brianna Wu does not endorse the opinions of Simone de Rochefort. I love babies. I love them so much. I, I want 100 babies. Uh, Christina Warren has no problem with Simone de Rochefort's statements about children or babies. She will say, I'm not really sure if a slug comparison is apt. I'd have to see the photo. Uh, but my opinion on babies is generally, I'm glad I don't have them. Yeah, um, but I'm sure yours is fabulous. God bless. <laughs> that photo is not going in the show notes because I'm not a jerk. <laughs> Share it with me on Skype, please. This I'm is really, this is oh, really what God. So we decided today we were gonna have a fun show of rockets. So that's <laughs> what you're in for. This is what I truly don't understand. Yeah, I'm not being judgmental here. But you can you can do studies. Like they've done a lot of studies about happiness, and what they found is like parents are overall as happy as people that are non-parents except for those first two years where you're dealing with insomnia and all of that and your happiness level plummets so low it's comparable to like people they've recently lost a limb (laughs) what i can't understand is is why anyone has two kids because i would think you would get past like that 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 two years and you're like oh this is great i'm fulfilled i'm happy you know, little Kimberly is doing great in school. And then you go back, like, right back into it. That's that's the part I can't figure out. Okay, Here's... this child you showed us is adorable. Okay, great. The body, <laughs> the body like, positioning is slug-like. But yeah. the face is so cute. She Wait, has a you, bow on. This is amazing. Okay, she's in Skype. It's in yes, Skype. It's in Skype, yes. So my, my, oh question my, to you... <laughs> my question to you about the happiness is... After those first two years, when you're pulled again on your happiness, do you even know what happiness is like anymore? Yeah. Like, is it yeah. relative happiness to the, no, the no, two years that you spent with again. your phantom limb child? No, I think I think you're genuinely happy again. And then at that point, you've forgotten what it was like to be unhappy. Right. So you're just right. like, oh, it's fine. I'll just have another one. I mean, right. in my parents' case, they <laughs> waited six wrong? years. Well, my parents' case, they waited six years, and so my sister is six years older than me. the The good news, the good part of that, is that obviously they didn't have like the stacked children, and 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 you know didn't have to to stacked they had children. a long the, the stacked. So stacked. you know they, 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 there was a nice period b- between it. The bad part of that was we're so we have so much of an age difference. Yeah, both of us are psyches. It's like we're only children, so we're like the worst <laughs> people in the world because because we're there's so much of an age difference between us. I mean, like we were literally actually two different generations because of how we were born. Oh my god! And yeah. like, it is both like we're only children, but yet we still have the sibling rivalry thing. So the, <laughs> TLDR, we're both spoiled brats who you know thought that they were the only thing that mattered and, uh, and had to be the center of attention. Driven overachievers who <laughs> enjoy being lauded for their success. So, yeah, Simone, whoever, this is a picture of their child. I'm really worried about this child. This child does not seem to have a spine because their back is just arched up unnaturally. Um, no, it's I'm very so cute, worried. though. Oh, I very feel, cute. 
Christina, so you are on time. a slippery yeah. slope right now. When you start acknowledging that babies are cute and then they brainwash you and you become a parent. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, just checking in, just checking in, make sure you're still with us. It's, it's hilarious to think that you think that I would ever actually be a parent. That's that's really cute. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> this is the best, simultaneously the best Christina the at Christina.is. Look, I'm sure it said send hate mail to Christina at Christina.is. And as, as I said before, I'm sure your children are fabulous, and I appreciate that you are all having them, and I'm and, and, and kudos to you. For me, it is not something I want. It is not something that's ever happening for me, and I quite enjoy my life without kids. Thank you. No, I was going to say, like, okay, so my co-founder, Amanda, I genuinely like her kid. Like, her kid is not screamy. She's well-behaved. She's cute. She's, like, pretty awesome. So it's, it's like... You, you spin a roulette wheel and find out yeah. what kind of kid you're going to have. Because then I go over, I'm not going to say who on this podcast, but I go <laughs> to their house. You know, I'm like, holy crap. Like, how do you live? Like, how do you live day to day? Like, this is a war zone. Oh, I don't It's even true. Know. It's like yeah, they're human yeah. beings. They right. come out as fully fledged human beings with different right. personalities. And right. you just can't right. predict and what will happen. No, right. you can't. And look, some people are great and some people are not. <laughs> But your kids, listeners, are great. I love your kids. kids. Oh, wow. Listeners, your kids are fantastic. We know they're the best. Very special. They're they're, they're the best. Just uh, don't make me babysit. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I actually get along really well with kids. I am just a selfish person who has no time. (laughs) And you're really young. Like, you don't even need to be, like, concerned with that. Like, Yeah, seriously. So, George Hotz has children. They are self-driving cars. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Worst rocket ever, everybody. Worst rocket ever. (laughs) You might recognize George Hotz as the guy who hacked an iPhone when he was 17 and then the PS3 a few years later. Now he's working on self-driving car technology and he actually bought a 2016 Acura ILX and made his own self-driving car. And the way that he did it, what I I will be totally forthright here. I do not know like how this technology really works. That's not my area of expertise. But basically, he had it learn to drive the way that humans learn to drive, which is kind of by watching and imitating other people. You know, you can learn theory and theory, but you really learn to drive on the road getting experience. So he taught the car the rules of the road by driving for 10 hours, and the computer kind of learned what to do. And for this uh, Bloomberg Business article, he took it on basically one of its first drives on the road with Ashley Vance. And there's video and of it. And so it was scared. terrifying. <laughs> I was terrified. He was terrified. We were all very on edge. Um, but it works. It it definitely works. I, I want to get your, in, your guys' input on this because I think you could have more insight into the actual technological side of it than I can sitting here going, oh my god, that looks unsafe. Yeah, I, I was like, we're talking about the danger of swagways? Yeah! <laughs> like, how about totally. the same, this is the, dude, this like, F it, I'm gonna like, just rig a car up and take it for a drive with some professional journalists. Like, it's fine! Like, yeah. Well, I mean, totally. Yeah. All, I mean, look, yeah. talk about unsafe, but at the same time, yeah. I mean, this is one guy who, I mean, he's such a genius. I mean, George yeah, yeah, is yeah. such a genius. I mean, when he hacked the iPhone, and, and, and that story was actually really interesting, there was like, a, somebody basically gave him a car to to get the iPhone working on another cellular network. Huh. And so he was like 17. He's about to go to college. He worked all summer on figuring out this out. And he opened up the phone, soldered it, and was able to get it working with the T-Mobile SIM. And that 
in turn kind of kickstarted the whole effort of jailbreaking iPhones and, and, and really doing soft unlocks and things like that. And so he was like really pivotal in like the early jailbreak community on, on, on iPhone. And then obviously, you know, he, he was the first person to hack the PS3, uh, yeah. which uh, when they kind of closed that thing down and sued him kind of led to the <laughs> entire like DDoS on the PlayStation Network, yeah. which led to all kinds of other things. Um, he's a really, really smart kid uh, or not even kid anymore. I, I, when I interviewed him, which was a billion years ago, when I was his age now, uh, it was, uh, you know, he was like 17 and, and now he's 26. He's mm-hmm. worked at Google off and on. He's had some internships in other places. He even did a stint at SpaceX. And uh, what I loved about this story, before we get into the tech aspect of it, is that the whole his whole modus operandi seems to be like winning a bet with Elon Musk. <laughs> because... <laughs> Because basically, as the story kind of says, you know, he got really interested in, in artificial intelligence. He took two years of AI classes at Carnegie Mellon, and then he got bored because he's a really, really smart guy. Like, he's the sort of level of smart you do not see every day. Like, he's, like, on another level. Like, he's the sort of person who I imagine could never really do academia because he just would get too bored and would need to be stimulated by too many other things. And he... um started looking at the fact that uh, the, the company that, that does a lot of the AI stuff for vehicles, um, including Tesla, and started saying, you know what, I think that I could do better than this. And so he had a conversation with Elon Musk about maybe joining Tesla to, to design their AI systems. And he felt kind of jerked around by Musk and so ended up turning him down. And now at this point, his goal is to make his own system work better um, then, then the system that that uh, the Tesla is kind of modifying and rebranding um, for their own um, autopilot stuff. And I mean, it's interesting because you know the first um, experience in the video of them in that self-driving car demo is terrifying. But then by the end, you know, when he's gone on a few more things and he's just made improvements over the last few weeks and or months or whatever, like it's how much more it's improved. And and and, and by 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 Ashley, his own um, kind of account, you know, like it improves so much. Um, to me says that there's probably something in the tech with this, which I don't fully understand. And I, I would love to hear your thoughts, Brie, because I bet you know a lot more about this than I do. Yeah. Uh, but it seems like it's totally plausible. And like, it seems like it's all based in, in uh, very well rooted science and theory and technology stuff. And then he's just, you know, modifying these things that have already been kind of been around, um, which, uh, and, and he's, he's so smart, he's able to do it really efficiently. Well, I mean, I had a meeting the other day with one of the, um, the, the really preeminent experts in the entire world in um, natural language, which kind of uses this same kind of um, learning, like amass data, apply data, figure out what's right, wrong, you know, try the edges of the, the use case. And I think people generally don't understand just how good those systems are these days. I mean, yeah. you know, um, something you can do if you go and take a um, you know natural language class at MIT, which again, it's the same basis here. Like you can have students wiring this stuff up within, if they have a basic programming background and like start collating data, voice data, and start like figuring out what that means from it. It's the exact same thing here. So yeah, these systems are much more mature um, to the point where I'm really I'm, I'm I'm truly more stumped by the the like legality side of this than I am the technology side. Totally, it. because um, honestly, like, this seems to be something you could easily go to jail for. So I don't know, um, but yeah, it's it's something you can do. You can do this. Yeah, you can do this well. It's the problem is when you have to make it such a high standard that you're not risking massive liability right. like with your with your company like there's a reason Tesla 
right now, like you can buy a Tesla and you can teach it to like pull up in front of your house because that is your property. You know, that's not a federal street. Right. You know, that's not legislated in the same way. It's like, yeah, and this it, is an easy problem to figure out. Right. Yeah, no, that and, was and my just, whole thought process. Like watching the video was sure i know nothing's gonna happen because this was published on you know a website but if something did happen that would at least be reckless endangerment like at the very least so oh yeah yeah oh no totally i mean and it's interesting too i mean you you point out these things you know liability all these things just today um you know um there's a new proposed california law that limits self-driving cars um that basically so the the california ahead of the game California's Department of Motor Vehicles proposed new law today that would require all autonomous cars to have a steering wheel and a licensed driver behind the wheel. Um, And and that would obviously really impede Google's plans. Um, But this is sort of the kind of the weird kind of challenge that these things are facing. How do you test these things? You know, Google's been doing it on controlled roads and and there have been other companies that have been doing it on controlled scenarios too. Um, But for the most part, you do have to kind of have, even in a lot of these tests, they have to have somebody manned behind it just in case. Um, and, And yeah, I mean, I think, you know george is he's kind of the quintessential kind of like uh, you know uh, real definition of a hacker not the movie definition but he's like the the, the real like hacker mm-hmm. like Stephen right. levy's hackers type of type of guy and so yeah i mean i don't think he really cared so much about what's going to happen i mean this is this is a guy who kind of like this is what he does um sure. i think it's it's more interesting you know that a journalist would get in a car with him and be willing to trust him for <laughs> to, to go okay uh but yeah i mean it does open up a lot of questions i think it's interesting to me, what was interesting about this was the fact that it does seem plausible that somebody working on their own kind of from home in their spare time assembling parts that they found, you know, kind of that are commercially available could be able to build something that with the right software coding could rival, you know, the stuff that's inside Tesla right now. Mm-hmm. That to me is the sort of level of disruption. I mean, and, and honestly, that's what we saw with virtual reality with with uh, with, with Oculus, yeah, right? Like definitely. Oculus was able to do stuff that nobody that other people hadn't been able to do, frankly. And and it's interesting when we see those sorts of leaps happen. Mm-hmm. Um my my fear for George would be I, I think he's such a smart guy I don't know how great of a businessman he is and this is the sort of thing that it's like he might end up doing great work but maybe he's not going to get the financial windfall from this he thinks yeah. I don't know I I have to be honest with you Christina I don't have the same um, read on this I can't tell you what company they work for but I I do have a, a pretty close friend of mine that's working on this problem. And, you know, the reason they went into this side of it is because they wanted a new engineering challenge. And, you know, what what they've told me is, you know, it is a computer, I'm sorry, a car is electronic enough these days. It's 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 not trivial, but it's definitely doable to like get control over the brake and the throttle totally. and all of that. That is not the hard part. The hard part is because, um, let's say if I do, I went out to the Apple store yesterday, right? And they had Anki Drive, right? So Anki Drive, like the track that you race yeah. it on, like it's it's sitting there sensing the edges, right? Yes. Like that's the entire way that it works. Until like our road, our, until like our roads are redone, like we want to get to alpha, really strong levels of safety, like we need to build infrastructure underneath the roads to like tell people because like optically trying to figure out like okay this is the road this isn't the road you can kind of guess it from like aggregated data like oh a lot of cars go down this way um but it's still not perfect we want to really get that um all safety concerns like you know make it so it's less and less probable people are going to die here um you know it's kind of at the point where 
if you are only going to trust, um, you know, like, um, you know, aggregated geolocation data, if you're going to trust like optical data and sonar data, trying to kind of guess where the road is, um, you know, this is when it comes down to edge cases, right? It's all about edge cases. It's trying to figure out, okay, I have a, a parking lot here. It's not confluent here. There's going to be somebody that comes out on this direction, right? It's about putting cameras in the car to like make someone stop suddenly in case there's an emergency event. So um, I, I guess I have the opposite interpretation. I'm not surprised he could do this. Um, the magic in a real world solution, like what Google is putting out is in aggregating all this data to make like get those edge cases to be less and less and less i guess my counterpoint to that would be that as far as i know this and other self-driving car technologies currently only being used on freeways yes. where i think it would be optically possible to maybe not a hundred percent but i don't think anything is a hundred percent it would be optically optically possible to have you know the car be aware of where the edges of the road are and where the lanes are more so than on a city street which would be a disaster and i don't even want to think about it um but yeah i i i'm half in the same boat as you brie where i don't think that it could ever be truly safe in a way where i i am very doubtful of what what legally is going to happen to self-driving cars when we start getting getting deeper into this. Um, however, I I do believe probably, oddly enough, that what he has made is, you know, at least safe enough that I don't think he's going to kill someone with it. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, totally. I mean, that's a, in, and even in his way, you know, he's still kind of behind the wheel. You know, I mean, he's not going as far as where it's literally driving. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's yeah. still There's yeah. still things he can take control. I mean, that's a very important thing to point out. It's not like he's getting behind this thing and then he can't control it. You know, if, if, if something's going wrong, I mean, like, you're obviously watching the car drive itself, but it's not like he can't grab, you know, the wheel or, or do something to, to try to try to prevent, you know, a collision. Um it's been interesting seeing Google's tests and some of the other, um, you know, autonomous uh, uh, car tests that have been happening and, and what problems they've been having on the road and what level of collisions that have happened. And almost all the collisions that have happened have actually been the fault of other drivers. I think that's actually the biggest challenge that will be facing self-driving cars even more than regular roads. I think that highway stuff, I think that they've gotten those good enough and they've gotten the kind of those um, the optical sensors and whatnot are, 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 are become smart enough and learning enough to kind of sense the edges of that stuff well enough. Um, I, I agree, obviously, on the broader point of, of, of regular roads, but I feel like at, at a certain point there will be, I mean, honestly, that's a great, uh, I mean, if you ask me, if I were a politician, I would say this is a great way to um, get um, uh, people back at work, right? Is yeah. is, is have, have, a, have a way, we've got to completely redo our road system. And yeah. this is a great way to have people work because now we've got to make them ready for our eventual self-driving car future. I think the bigger problem is actually going to be dealing with the fact that for a long time, because I definitely think self-driving cars are going to be a a reality for us sooner than we think. I think the bigger challenge is not going to be so much the self-driving cars, but the fact that they're going to be coexisting on on roads with regular people. I personally, even now, would probably feel more likely like wanting to entrust myself to like a self-driving machine than um, a lot of people who drive in New York or Atlanta or other places if because the there's choice, just a lot of bad drivers. If I had the choice to be on a you know entirely self-driving car system or entirely people-driven as we are now, I would probably choose the self-driving cars just because, again, consistency – and yeah. computer algorithms and things like that. Yeah, so, but, I, I just know yeah. I'm a bad driver, and, and <laughs> I, I, I am. It's one of the reasons I, I live in New York now, and, and it's and I don't have a driver's license, and I'm not. A, I don't enjoy it. I'm not good at it. It's just not one of those things. That I'm, I'm. It's not a strength of mine. I. It's. I definitely feel like 
um, the world would be safer with me in a car that is driving itself than me in a car that I'm driving. I once, when I was working in politics, I once went to a party, a fundraising party. God, I shouldn't tell this story on the show, but I'm going to anyway. So I go out there and there was this person and he was, oh my God, he was so rich, ridiculously rich, ridiculously rich and like sports cars everywhere. And he takes me out and he's like, all right, you want to learn how to flip a car around 180 (gasps) degrees with the emergency brake? I'm like, hell yeah. (laughs) And, And so we go out there and like... Like, I'm talking mega 1% rich, right? So we go out there, and, like, there's this huge parking lot, and we're out there, he's teaching me how to do this. I think it was a Porsche that we were doing this in. It was just completely awesome. So I don't know, Christina. I think I'm a pretty good driver. Do you still have that guy's number? I bet you are. I'm not. Yeah. yeah, I I would like to contact him, and I would like to learn to do it as well. Yeah, you should do that. And then you can race (laughs) motorcycles. And you know what? I will be in the car while you guys do that. I'm just not going to do that myself. Like, I'd be be happy to ride shotgun with you guys while you are doing crazy things. Um, I'm just going to be, like, (laughs) doing my nails and, like, playing Candy Crush on my phone. I just, you know. Sounds great. Can can I say something about what you were saying, though? Like, about putting people back to work with self-driving car technology? You know, yeah. I mean, look, I'm an entrepreneur and I don't talk about it as much, but I think a lot about this kind of stuff. And, you know, like a country like the United States, we have a ton of landmass. Like we're not Europe in the same way where we can like, you know, completely get by on public transportation here. And like we talk a lot about um, you know, getting more people work. This is something I, I very strongly agree with you, Christina. Like it, it has a multiplier effect on the economy. Yep. And then you can move over towards electric vehicles more and more. And it just, um, when you can get goods and people and all this stuff around more easily, it's just, I mean, it would be awesome for our economy. I think, you know, sadly, you know, there was a big story we didn't talk about this week with, you know, like, um, you know, Facebook founder uh, Mark Zuckerberg, like donating a lot of his money, uh, you know, with the birth of his child and talking about like this rise of a new entrepreneur, like multi-billionaire. And I think sadly, sometimes, you know, like if you look at the United States government right now, we are unable to accomplish great things anymore. And I think it's it's very frustrating that I can't imagine, um, you know, our, our political system operating enough to get a fantastic idea like that happening. Something that would give jobs to everybody, it would help technology, it would help the environment. Like this is something you would think the left and the right would be able to agree on. And I, I don't know. I would love One to see would something hope. like that happen. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really interesting that we haven't heard that as like anybody's talking point so far yeah. in, in, in the campaign cycle. Because yeah, you're right. And I hadn't even thought about it until I just mentioned it. And I realized actually that'd be a really great plan for like re- revitalizing the economy because sure. you're right. Like the road system does need to be redone. This is a great way to do it and to help build industry. How about like uh, American car companies to get us to like oh, use this technology? Yeah. I mean, it would be such an easy win. So. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. Yay! Yeah! Yay! Total yay. Because if you, like us, have to type the same sentences over and over again, or even words just over and over again, Text Expander is a great way to basically take those common phrases that you use and create abbreviations for them that will expand into the full text that you need. And they can even do pictures too, which is pretty awesome. So this is a great way to streamline your workflow, whether you are writing a lot of emails daily, whether you're, I, you probably couldn't use it for coding, unfortunately, Brianna, but no, writing articles. No, you can. Oh you my could. God. You totally can. Totally oh my can. God. 
Oh my God, no, because you use certain expressions and certain format. Oh, oh, just trust yeah. me. Yeah, it's made for coders primarily, actually. That so, is so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Well, and definitely for writing articles. Um, at I know Christina uses it for adding block text like sign offs to articles and things like that so it's really... not just for that but for links for for html shortcuts for table code i mean there are all kinds of things snippets that usually i would just kind of like either build into my text editor kind of like a, a macro for mm -hmm. um that i don't have to because i can use text expander and what's nice about that is that even though i do have a lot of macros that i build into my um, text editor of choice that will auto complete things and do certain stuff if i'm not in that if like i'm, I'm, I'm in another app if i'm writing in, in my browser for instance i can still insert at the same place which you can't do you know with with your text editor yes yeah. and that is awesome because this will it uh, synchronizes everything. You can synchronize it with iCloud, Driver, Dropbox, and use it basically in a ton, a ton of apps, so like on the Outliner 2, Day 1, Fantastical 2, etc. And you can also get a custom keyboard for iOS and then use that in basically any app. So you can have your snippets with you all across everything that you do. It is super duper useful. Text Expander 5 costs $44.95. And if you already have an older version of Text Expander, you can upgrade for $19.95. And it is free if you purchased on or after January 1st, 2015. So if you want to make your workflow beautiful and synchronous and speedy, you should totally check out Text Expander. Uh, you can learn more by visiting smilesoftware.com slash rocket. Yay! Thank I you, don't Texas know Expander. anyone that works there that I don't love. I just think everyone <laughs> at that company is amazing. It's a company of kind people. It is. It is. How does when that happen? Good work I culture. Know. I don't know. But when you when you talk to somebody from Smile at a party, you're like, yeah, you know what? You're okay. <laughs> you're I, smiling. I like you. I like you. you. Will. Yeah. What <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> was that noise? What was that, that noise? Was that, noise? that sounded like a horse, Simone. Whoa. I, I mm, <laughs> that was my inhale of agony at my terrible puns. I'm suffering inside. I feel I feel like I've wronged you all. Um, you I'm have, sorry. and you, it's yeah. bad, and you should feel bad. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm I love you. So yeah. <laughs> well, as I said earlier, I feel like my insides have been taken out with an ice cream scoop. So, oh my god, it's a good day. Because we of, we, because we, of we, video we, games, we, not because we, of anything else. No, but Don't we didn't the... need to. You made it weird in a way that is now impossible for the audience to understand why it's <laughs> yes. weird because they don't understand the context of what you're saying. And it's so inappropriate and yet so wonderful and so funny that I'm. It's so Simone. So Simone. I was going to say it's so Simone. I was like, I didn't think I could love you anymore until now. And now I love you even more. It's, it's uh, wow. Simone, there are going to be operas about you a thousand years from now. I, like, just, like, I want the oh, listeners to know that the place where I feel empty is where the emotions come from, not the, not any other place. Oh my god, that's the stop. place that's hollow. Oh no! <laughs> stop! Oh god! Stop! Jessica Jones. <laughs> we're finally talking about Jessica Jones. Speaking of people who are hollow, yay! We're finally doing it. Charles yes. Tan reminded us so many times that we forgot for literal weeks. I mean, we were going to talk about it um, during the after the. Bielfeld episode and then everything got so everything crazy. Got, we, exactly. We didn't, and so we're finally taking the time to say that we all watched oh, Jessica Jones. Love and we all love Jessica Jones. Love it. Yes. Love it. She's the best. Okay. But before Trish we start, can we just acknowledge how distractingly gorgeous Jessica Jones, like Kristen Ritter is in absolutely every shot? And I feel 
I feel bad because like she like she'll be going through like the worst thing on earth and like in the background right. I'm You're like, like oh, she's really oh god she's so gorgeous you, <laughs> you know, know it's funny because I've never really been a fan of the actress I liked really? her in Breaking Bad I, I oh. liked her in Breaking Bad but I did not like her in Veronica Mars I didn't like um don't um tell the bitch in apartment 23 um I mean I thought that show had its moments don't but I was mostly don't trust the bitch yeah. in apartment 23 but um i know that they technically renamed it don't don't trust the b in apartment 23 yeah. but that's not the real title of the show and so i refuse to call it by its fake title <laughs> screw you abc and note i did say screw not the other word brie i i i i i, I, still, I thank I'm, you thank you <laughs> right? you still win our bet I, 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 still, I, I, i'm reconsidering the terms of the bet now because i realized that steven might actually bleep the b word and oh, well, i then, i definitely said it first in that case and oh, well, i well, well, unless he takes decide- it out we decided that that was not a word that, that that applied to this, so I don't owe anyone fifty dollars. Anyway, yeah, fair enough. Anyway, okay. um, I haven't been a big fan of hers, but I liked her in Breaking Bad. I liked her when she did more dramatic roles. I, what I think I figured it out is I just didn't really like her when she tries to do comedy. But you're right, Brie. I I haven't been her biggest fan. Like it's been like a decade since she was on Veronica Mars. I genuinely just there have been something about her I just didn't love. Wow. This show, but this show, no, it turned me around. I'm like all on board the the Kristen Ritter train. Yeah. Although. Uh, as hot as she is, I ship Trish way more. I think that Trish is way hotter. Oh no way! I, I, I will. Oh. Okay, Trish. Trish is my type. Mp3. Uh, like <laughs> her, the way yes. she looks, the way she talks, everything about her. I was just like. <laughs> Yeah. See, thank you, Simone. Thank you. No. And, and yes. Oh, okay. Oh. No, I'm not saying that. Yeah. I, look, I'm not saying that Jessica isn't amazing. And really, yeah. my my real type, if I'm being totally honest, is Luke. <laughs> oh. Hallelujah. Oh. oh my God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Real talk, oh, yeah. Luke and Luke's body. Oh my God. That was a lot but, to handle. But but objectifying. Um, you know the characters um we shouldn't do that i'm glad that we yeah. started off this you know. I, i'm sorry i'm a bad feminist send me I know, angry tweets please. honestly know. this yeah. is part of the fun of this show is that we get to objectify people right. <laughs> okay but i think we have to have we have to have the ship war conversation which yes. is who should jessica end up with luke or trish well trish obviously but thank you on it they had so much chemistry i was my, my the only weird thing is they're kind of was... like sisters and that's kind of gross yeah yeah but i mean I mean, they met each other when they were teenagers, which, which still like I, I'm, people who grew up together like that, that is that can get pretty the, weird and right. wacky. But like their their relationship was so like strong and beautiful and they love they clearly love each other so much. You, you, you like, do have to wonder, like you're they're just saying, just make out already. Like yeah. just once. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. Just just try. I, just experiement. And I'm then and then she can go back to Luke and that's fine. See, yeah. were you were you picking up on any vibes like that? Because I really just read them as best friends through the whole thing. The so, pilot I did, yeah. And I, the pilot I did, and then I stopped. Then, then it yeah. stopped. But I, I wished. Yeah, I wouldn't that. say I was getting vibes. It was more just like I want them to be together really right. badly. Yeah. See, I think that like positive women friendships are so rarely shown. You know what? On that's television. a really good point. Yeah. And, I mean, for that's me, actually, I, that's a really good point. The older I get, the more. I mean, you know, it's so hard to, you know, you're always looking for friends that will just have your back, right? Because sometimes that won't happen. And like, they're there, they support each other, they accept each other's flaws, they genuinely care about each other. And I don't know, I thought like that whole dynamic of the show was just, it was magical to Mm -hmm. see like, just that kind of constructive friendship. Definitely. I totally agree. And the, like the thing with this is like, I'm not, if they don't get together, I'm not going to be dissatisfied because their friendship is beautiful and strong and amazing. And that is such a rare thing. Like I agree. The, the fact that Trish is the person that she relies on and goes to for 
basically everything is so important and it's so good and they're both such capable, fully formed characters. That being said, if they decide that they're in love and they get to, or even if they're not in love and they get together, um, I'm totally down with that. I'm on that train. Yeah, I would be okay with that. Like, yeah. both, Here, here's yeah. what I'm saying. Both I'm, are I'm saying like me, me just completely objectifying like from the hotness level. I would like to see it happen. I ship it, but from like a story, but from like a story perspective, like where I'm like honestly, where would this go and how does it need to be? I'm with Brie. I feel like the the focus on female friendship and the fact that they have this great relationship that is yes. really just this great bond where they're not competitive with one another, where they're not fighting over men to get, which is such a trouble. Oh. Or women together, you know what I mean? But they're literally just so supportive. I do love that. And I would take that over them, you know, making out. Although, again, would not be opposed to seeing the making out. Because, I mean, that you guys, it just... I agree. I totally agree. I have to say, though, like, um, I, you know, uh, so something, I read this article from the the showrunner, right? Um, And she was talking about how in writing the um, series, you know, they they had a rule that they just were not going to write a rape scene in, you know, a show that has a lot of um, overtones about sexual abuse um, and, and frankly, outright, outright themes about it. At the same time, what I really appreciated about um, the sex on Jessica Jones is I get told on Twitter probably a hundred times a day, like, oh, you're so sex negative. Oh, you know, you just want to abolish sex. This is a super feminist show Mm -hmm. and there's sex everywhere. Like it's everywhere. But the trick for it, the trick for it is it shows sex is like a consensual, mutual loving act between two people and it's not like ooh, let's linger over you know x body part and objectify her it's about the it's almost female gazy with it do you know what i mean like it's i totally more about know the what you mean with like the, yeah. the scenes with them even though like jessica has a lot of sex on the show good job jessica she gets it um so yep. does trish she, yeah and yeah. trish too but yeah. neither of them are really presented as objects in either of those scenes there are characters who are enjoying themselves and i I think it was the same for luke although he did have some you know lovely shirtless scenes that i I think (laughs) were pretty you know catering to the straight female gaze um definitely i mean i think just anybody who appreciates the the male form the aesthetic the aesthetic totally i mean i I think you you can like not like go that way you can not like even like like really be that you're literally speechless because luke cage is so beautiful I was just gonna say his body is just genuinely like it, he's an Adonis. He's like got like his body is literally like a work of art. Yes, yes, and I'm excited for um for his <laughs> yeah, show. You are not alone. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say like I feel like we've kind of gotten off on the wrong foot talking about like the the sexuality of the show, but you know it is something like I think about. But I mean to me, what makes this show so incredible is you know. I'm so frustrated if I go see an Avengers movie or even a Batman movie or anything, you know, it's always a movie about like men going and solving problems. And then you'll, you'll have black widow or someone in the background. Jessica Jones is the character I have waited for my entire life because she is emotionally very complex. She is broken the way that, you know, like a Tony Stark is broken. And it's so rare that you get to show a woman as a real human being and not like a a spunky half naked sidekick. And it has so much to say, like, you know, um, I've talked about this on other podcasts, but you know, I have been in therapy for post-traumatic stress, um, you know, stuff for years now, like long before Gamergate. And, you know, seeing someone that like survived that kind of trauma 
and is working through it. I can tell you, like, the, the vibe of it feels completely real to me. And this is a character who's, like, inner life is so rich and it's just i you know we're starving for this like women are starving for a character that like is is relatable and interesting Mm -hmm. i totally agree and what i one of the interesting observations i had about it was that it really puts the viewer in the shoes of women who have experienced like really uncomfortable situations with with cis men and one of the examples i I think best examples of that i think is not with kilgrave it's actually in a scene in later episodes and i'm sorry i'm going to spoil jessica jones for you when simpson comes to trisha's apartment after he's had those like drugs that make him super amped up and aggressive and he's say he's waiting outside her apartment he's like just let me come in i just want to talk to you and we as the viewer are very allied with trish like through this entire sequence of this man saying no i just want to talk to you it's fine i need to talk to you let me in and he's not listening to her and he's not acknowledging her and i can think of very few pieces of media that are that put you solely in the shoes of a woman who is experiencing yes. how deeply uncomfortable it is to be um, to be put upon like this and be forced into a social interaction that you don't want. I don't yep. think I had really ever seen that done on television before and done in such a good way where like, I don't think anyone could watch that scene and be like, ah, you know, he's, he's fine. Like clearly he's going through some stuff too. He just, he, sh- she should have talked to him. No, right. it makes you very viscerally uncomfortable to be in that position. Yeah. And I appreciated that so much. I think what it speaks to is the fact that this is a a female driven show, both in terms of its casting, its 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 creator and its showrunner. You know, its writers are, you know, the fact that the showrunner for the show is is a woman, I think, is so important. And I think, honestly, is what makes the show work, because this isn't to take away from it from you know men do very often write great you know um a female driven um series and, and work and i mean the original comic was created by men but i feel like for this tv show especially and, and talking about earlier about you know the interview you were referencing brie where she was talking about why it was important not to show rape on camera i think that the same thing showing that that visceral kind of that uncomfortableness that we all have where where trish doesn't you know she is in an awkward position you are not sympathizing with simpson at all you're 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 aligned with her that can only happen if a woman is 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 leading the show because Mm -hmm. that's one of those things that you really have to be a woman to experience yeah and 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 understand as storytellers like our tendency we we like big events and our our tendency would be to take that to an extreme and make it more violent or more aggressive but like just the fact that he is not listening to her we all know and recognize immediately like that is aggression that is uncomfortable one of my favorite parts of the show is i think maybe with the exception of hope and and again i don't want to get into spoilers but um I feel like all the characters in the show are flawed in certain ways. They feel they feel you know flawed. They're they're, they're, they're and, and they're they're human in the way that they're not perfect. You know mm-hmm. they're not perfect victims. They're not perfect you know heroes. They're not you know they're, they're problems. I mean Jerry, who's pretty villainous. You know she's not the the perfect. You know it's become almost common to have you know a, a lesbian character almost created as like a, a, a perfect yeah. you know, being because yeah. how, how yep. because people are afraid to show a lesbian as being anything other than like perfect or 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 or, or good natured or whatnot and seeing right. those. Other, 
the, so those other sides of her I think is really important because that's the only way you can humanize I think characters that are put on the periphery in television in general is to show them as multifaceted and I, I'm, I'm glad we're finally at a place in television where it's not so much of um, uh, it's not so othering to see you know a gay character that we can treat them um, as nuanced but I feel like all the characters the fact that they're nuanced is I think my favorite part of the show is that literally they've all kind of got their you know their, their struggles and I mean you know hope is obviously I think fundamentally you know the the, the most pure but with that mm-hmm. as kind of its exception that what I love about that is that kind of is goes against the the superhero ethos where there typically are things in much more black and white terms and where nuance although it's getting better in certain things it's typically not there especially not with female characters yeah definitely (sighs) so i think we have to talk about kilgrave because kilgrave is such an important character and i had so many conversations with with guys that are like um you know oh kilgrave is terrible blah 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 And I think a lot of guys don't understand the reason Jessica Jones resonates so strongly with so many women is, I mean, I at least am confronted with hundreds of Kilgraves every single day. And it's not, it's not so much the mind control thing. It is, you know, Kilgrave is someone who like Jessica Jones will say something like, you raped me. And then, you know, he's like, no, I never raped you. I never killed anyone. And he's someone fundamentally unable to like reflect on his actions and think about it like it's impossible for him to see himself as a a bad guy Mm -hmm. and i i could say in the tech industry i mean just forget gamergate like in the tech industry i certainly run into people like that every single day like i talked to him at i was talking to a person that worked at valve it was like that last week so you know it's he's such an important character that resonates so strongly because you know he does speak a lot about like the dark side of male privilege and you know he's like a a metaphor of that Mm -hmm. yeah yes he's also such (laughs) a scary villain i think just just because he does ultimately have like the worst and the most like scary type of superpower and that he can he can make you do anything and and that i think when taken to its logical conclusion when you see like the 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 support group of 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 his victims you know and and the fact that they're trying to come to terms with things i think that's actually that was some of the more poignant scenes in the series where it's kind of people trying to figure out like because his ability is to make you do whatever he wants you to do but you're aware of it it's not like you're in a you're you're in a trance but yet you know what's happening and you can't Mm -hmm. do anything to stop it and that to me i think that that's so would be so terrifying and i think it's the sort of thing where a lot of people even if you've never been under mind control we've all had those people in our lives who've been able to kind of convince us to do things maybe we didn't want to do and you feel guilty about it but in this case because it really is it goes a level beyond that but just knowing having to deal with the guilt i mean that that's jessica's whole burden is, is is dealing with the guilt over things that she's done while she was with him and now she's trying to you know um basically um not just uh she's she's trying to she's trying to make amends for, for those things going forward mm-hmm. and um and it's um you know the malcolm character it was it was another character you know he, he's both he's a victim so i love yeah. him too and yeah. and he's really you know a, a a great kind of character showing he could have been very one note in a lot of ways and but again kind of his reaction to how he was used everyone's reaction to how they were used and how they deal with it is 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 really fascinating and i feel like but his his you know his evilness is evil on a level that's just really genuinely scary when you yeah. think about what would happen if literally you know, you could be controlled, but if someone could literally make you do anything and you would be aware that it was happening and you wouldn't be able to stop yourself from doing it, 
but you would remember you, you would think that you were in in the, in the moment you would almost think you still had control yeah and it takes that very fantastical plot line and then puts it in very real world terms grounding it with this like the relationship that Kilgrave had with jessica that he made happen entirely because of his horrible mind control powers uh and that's really powerful and malcolm is oh malcolm is such a freaking sweetheart like that i loved his character because i having someone so good like that on the show i think that was really important and um i'm i'm excited to see what they're going to how they're going to move that forward. So, you know, and that, that kind of leads into, you know, uh, Christina, you were talking about how like the comics were written by dudes. Um, you know, they really picked the, the very, very, very best Jessica Jones story. Um, because like the comics kind of from here go into this really weird place where like Jessica Jones gets pregnant and has a baby. Right. And it, it does she have of, a larva baby? Uh, I don't even want to get it. <laughs> it's, it's not good. It's not good. And, um, you know, I'm really, as someone who's read the comics and, and loves the character, um, you know, Jessica Jones, her, she really came to prominence when, you know, they, they, it, they didn't tell this story in the series. They kind of hinted to it where Jessica Jones was like used as a weapon against the Avengers. And, you know, then they completely forgot about her and didn't check on her. And she kind of just went into darkness. Um, I have to say, like, judging from the tone of this show, I am really, really unconvinced with where they're going to go from here. Like, they kind of set up to, you know, Kilgrave, um, you know, Kilgrave's baby, kind of, you know, is that going to have a plot line later? But I, I really don't know how they top this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's going to be, I mean, and one of the one of the challenges for them is going to be the fact that, um, I mean, this has been so well received. I think this is certainly... Um, I like it better than Daredevil, and I think Daredevil's fine for Netflix. But you know, Netflix signed a four-series uh, deal with uh, um, Marvel, and so there's going to be you know there's Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage is getting his own show, and then they're doing um, the the anthology series um, with, with kind of all the characters. Um, and so they basically said that it's probably going to be it might be another year before we get more Jessica Jones um, because they're going to do the anthology series next, and so. I think it's going to be that's going to be the big thing. What do they do next and how do they keep up this momentum? And I I, I but I trust that I, my, my only fear with that is that I don't want people who are working on the show to, you know, because they need to make money, go and work on other things and, and um, not, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I worry that like I want the team to stay together. It, it's hard for this when you don't know like what your production schedule is going to be because this was so good and I feel like the, the, the writers they had and, and, and the directors and, and the script supervisors and everyone was really, really solid. I don't want those people to go away because I, I feel like that that's how the show could become different would be if, if there are different writers involved because I feel like these, these group of writers and especially this showrunner really understood um, female characters on a level that frankly um, I've never seen on this type of show before. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's a good, I think, note to end on. Do we want to talk love about Jessica Jones? Love, love it, love it. More Watch of it. it with with hefty, you know, self care plans in place oh, because oh, it's it hard. is heavy. It's hard. It is heavy. It's like hard. this is not one. Like I'm, I'm a big binge watcher, but this is one that was hard for me to binge watch uh-uh. because it's so heavy. I'm like, wow, okay, I gotta take a break. <laughs> you know, like it's I did good. binge it, but I binged it in my room like over a weekend being completely traumatized and like my roommates would come in and be like oh this is what you're doing okay i mean i did it over Goodbye. a weekend too but like usually like i will go like full stop just yeah, one do, do 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 this was i was like okay you know what i'm gonna have to take a little break yep watch some other <laughs> stuff because this is a lot oh so what will you be doing this week 
binging once <laughs> or in general? Well, I'm going on vacation. Heck yeah! What? C-Max first real vacation in two years. The um, best news wow. I've ever heard. So I'm going on a cruise to the Bahamas with my husband for Christmas. Sweet. We leave on Sunday the 20th. We come back the 27th. We will. I will be in a jacuzzi and with um, an alcoholic drink in my hand <laughs> for seven days straight. That is the plan. Oh my what I will be taking with me, and I'm very excited about this, is because I, I will download it for offline viewing, is that uh, Taylor Swift's 1989 Live, which is coming exclusively to Apple Music, also on the 20th. I will be downloading that as, as soon as that hits before um, we board our ship so that I can have, you know, Tay-Tay with me. Um, because it wouldn't be Christmas without Taylor Swift. I was at the Apple Store. I was at the Apple Store yesterday. It is Taylor Swift everywhere it's plastered on the oh wall. i know it's, it's amazing on the monitor I, I was yeah. oh i know speaking I, I, of yes. lance making that taylor swift reference in the teardown of the swagway did you <laughs> put great. him up to that maybe <sighs> villainy i mean look they know they, they they know well enough here i think that they 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 understand i mean um no but i i uh no i that that was actually completely his own invention but uh but i would like to think that it was his nod to me and my goal of getting a taylor swift mention into every mashable video i'm glad um i have to ask christina like were you there was a story that came out this week of that teenager that really does look quite a bit like taylor swift yeah i mean are you jealous of her are you like happy for her how does it make you feel i was was very happy that they got to meet i was very happy they got to meet um you know, she did look a lot like her. She made herself look a lot like her. Yeah, but, uh, the haircut. You know, she, yeah. she she definitely went a long way towards like making herself look a lot like her. I was very happy they got to meet, um, and I thought that was a great story. Um, yeah, I yeah. thought the Zane Lowe interview was great too. But no, very I uh, very so I, I will be in the Bahamas for seven days. W- what that means is that one of the most rare things in my life i'm not gonna be on the internet um <gasps> i mean i will be like intermittently connecting like when we are in ports in the u.s like at night i'm sure that i'll be uploading things to instagram and and i i it will be impossible for me not to totally check up with the news but i'm not going to be on twitter i'm not going to be on facebook i'm not going to be you know on our podcast like i'm actually going to be offline and I am so uh proud that's of you and happy for yeah, you yeah it's it's a good thing guys it's a good thing you're gonna be a different person when you come back let's for- just hope that nothing massive happens in the news world because i mean i, I will sort of die um <laughs> I, I, I always i always like fear that like something huge is going to happen if i'm off the internet but if, if I, no, you this, need this to send us thing. tweets if something huge happens and we'll include it in the show like do that okay. yes. do that yeah, okay yeah fine send a carrier pigeon or something i don't know send a whale a dolphin a messenger dolphin brianna what are you up to this week i'm still crunching um in fact i'm about to leave and go work on a light build um i'm trying to get rev 60 out the door um so what am I doing? Um, I actually, I I decided to give my office um, uh, the entire week after Christmas off from Christmas to New Year's because we worked very hard this year. And um, yeah, so um, that's awesome. what, what I like about that is when there's no employees asking me questions <laughs> or anything, it means I can get a lot <laughs> of work done. So I'm like writing people. Selfish. I'm like, hey, let me do some deadlines for you. Let me let me get this piece done for you over the break. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm up to this week. Uh, I just flew back in from San Francisco. Um, I did. Oh yeah, you were at uh, GX3. Uh, yeah, I nice. was. I was. I had a great time out there. I had some uh, dinner with some really cool people. Um, and I'm finally back home. I think until my vacation, which is five weeks from now. So really looking forward to that. 
That is awesome and powerful. I am all, I'm in a different kind of crunch where I'm just making a lot of game of the year videos. Um, It's really fun. It's, it's been great, uh, a great workout for my editing skills. And I'm, I'm going to be writing some exciting things soon, hopefully, but we'll talk about that whenevs. Um, And yeah, so that's, that's us. That's us this week. Uh, Brianna, where can I find you online? Space cat gal on Twitter. Nice. Christina, you'll be on a boat. On a boat. I will be on a boat. Yes, exactly. I, God, remember that meme? I love that. I, that meme so is not me. dead for me. I'm sorry. That meme lives on. I guess. I'm on a boat. I'm, <laughs> I'm on, on a boat. boat. Everybody, look I at will me. I'm on a boat. Sailing on a boat. <laughs> She's on a boat. I'm, I'm also sorry. at Film Underscore Girl on the Twitters and on a boat. <laughs> and i am on the twitters at doom quasar my writing might i wonder if my review of the assassin's creed syndicate dlc is up yet on remashed i'm gonna check really quick uh yes and you can find my writing at pixelkin.org and remashed.com it's not up yet it's not up yet okay never mind the show is over goodbye leave a review on itunes (laughs) i love you all have a wonderful night um and we'll see you back next week with a stranger a complete stranger to replace christina warren (laughs) who will be on a boat and drunk who will be on a boat and in a jacuzzi on a boat and and, yes on a boat with everyone looking at her because she's sailing on a boat she's she'll be on a boat i'll be drunk on a jacuzzi yes terminated Terminated. Terminated. Terminated.